clinics didn't have water. I remember one time we carried my mother to the hospital and when we got there, they're like, hey son, we don't have water. You need to go fetch water so your mother can bed the next day. That was like, we carried my mother uh, six miles and then we get there, we have to go two miles to get the water. I'm back one mile and get the water back to the hospital. Gilbert Tuhabanya is a beloved role model, coach, and an inspiration to people all over the world. He is also a genocide survivor. Today we are joined by Gilbert, who tells us about his story all the way from a junior high school experience where he escaped a horrific massacre in the long Tutsi Hutu War of Burundi, where he endured an unbearable torture, witnessed mass murder, and barely escaped his own fiery death. A renaissance childhood, he ran from that horror into a new life, a life of hope. Today, more than 8,000 miles from Burundi, Gilbert is a testament to the triumph of the human spirit as he emerged from the unimaginable ordeal with faith, forgiveness, and perseverance. Today, Gilbert is a retired professional runner, philanthropist, author, and community leader in Austin, Texas, where he lives with his wife and his two daughters. He's also the owner of an incredible organization called Gilbert's Gazelles, one of Austin's largest running training groups, and the Gazelle Foundation, which provides clean water to people in his homeland of Burundi, Africa. And pay careful attention, guys, to the part of the show where the Gazelle Foundation is brought up and I contribute $1,000 to provide clean drinking water to 40 students for their entire lives. That's all it takes, guys, $25 to give clean drinking water to students of Burundi for their entire lives. Just think about that, $25. Now, I challenge you to match me or just to contribute in whichever way you want to do that. And if you want to do that, please head out to gazellefoundation.org for more information and start to transform the lives of people in Burundi by providing a lifetime of access to clean water. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Hey, guys, welcome back to another cracking installment of the Map Round Show. Today, we are joined by an African man who's living in Austin, Texas, Gilbert Tuhabunyas. I hope I pronounced that relatively accurately. <laughs> yeah, you did great. Yes, result for me. <laughs> so, uh, Gilbert, uh, obviously, you're an accomplished runner. You've got a, just an incredibly inspiring uh, story. Um, and so let's get into uh, let's get into the meat and the potatoes. So for those of our audience who potentially haven't heard uh, about who you are, Gilbert, um, can you maybe give us the headline? Who are you? What are you about? What's the elevator pitch? What do we need to know? So uh, my name is Gilbert Tuhabonye, and I was born and raised in the Burundi. Um, I was raised in southern province called Bururi. And um, when I was a young boy, my life evolved around running. I ran to school six miles, six miles away from my home, and I would run and walk. And then uh, at the end of the day, I would come home. We didn't have water or electricity in the house, so I would go fetch water before school and then after school. And then, um, and then I would run. Um, and then I would go fetch, get the cows, you know. When you talk, when you live in Africa, you understand when I say the cows. Cows, like, they are wandering around the mountains, so I would have to go and 
gather them together and then I bring them home. And that was the end of the day. And at the end of the day, because we didn't have electricity, um, you know, we were cooking using woods and to get the time um, with our grandparents, my grandmother, we started singing, we tell our stories, just to waiting for the food to get that uh, ready. Then, um, then after, you know, I graduated from uh, sixth grade, I passed national exam. I went to a boarding school seven hours away from my home. And um, when I was at that school, something really strange happened, a civil war. And um, I became a victim. My school was attacked. We were more than 100 kids put in a burning building. They set the building on fire. And luckily, I survived uh, because of running. And um, I spent three months in the hospital trying to heal emotional and the physical. Eventually, I was able to forgive my enemy and move on. Running helped me. And uh, because of running, I earned a spot to go to the Olympics to travel to the team that was traveling to Atlanta back in 1996. And I didn't get a chance to compete, but I was able to carry the Olympic torch. And then I moved to uh, Abilene, Texas, where I, uh, I studied and graduated in uh, uh, Bachelor of Arts. Mm. And then after I graduated, I moved to Austin, Texas, and that's where I am today. Jeez. Um, so that's quite a, quite a story. Did you ever imagine that you would be living in Austin, Texas? I mean, if you cast your mind back to, you know, the days where, you know, you were running around the villages and in the mountains and things like that. And obviously, as you touched on the, the, dr- the drama of, you know, uh, your school being attacked. And if you think about where you are now and you cast your mind back to then, did you ever imagine that you would be where you are today? Not at all. Um, but when I was young, one of my teammates reminded me, uh, like, you know how in Africa, when we run, we make it fun. We would sing, we go as a group and we'd be singing. And he reminded me that every song that I sang was always USA. I'm going to USA. I'm going to USA. So he's like, no wonder why you end up in USA. But I've always had a dream that one day I will, I will compete for NCA. Uh, I was inspired by a man called Quizera Diodone, who was, uh, he won NCAs. And when I was in middle school, he inspired me to one day to come and compete for NCAs. So I never dreamed that I'll be here in Austin, but it's a blessing, man, to be here. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, uh, what were your dreams and hopes if, back then, uh, you know, as a, as a young uh, man? What were your kind of hopes and dreams, Gilbert? Like, did you, did you want to be a professional athlete? When did you realize that, hey, I could actually, you know, build a life for myself that I hadn't, you know, thought I could achieve? You know, the... Um, my dreams was uh, to get the best education and get a good job so I can be, uh, you know, contribute to the, to the country. And so I was in a prestige, prestigious um, kind of a core major in Burundi, agro-business, which was at that time, you know, you think about how uh, back in the 90s, 
you know, agriculture, it was it, doing engineering and agriculture was the, best, the coolest thing to do. So that was always what I wanted it to do. And um, the, the running part, I didn't know that I had a talent until one of my coaches who still my friends today. And uh, even up to today, I call him my friends because he inspired me so much. So we won, the school organized a race. It was um, five miles to select the team for track. And I won the race as a seventh grade. And when I won the, the race, the coach came up to me and said, son, look at these kids you beat. You can beat the best, not only here, but all over the globe. You know, to me, the globe, I didn't have a TV. I didn't have internet. I didn't have a way to compare myself with others. To me, to, the word was to beat everybody in my team, and I did. And so I started becoming, um, I was a champion by the time I was uh, eighth grade, ninth grade. I was a champion 400. Really, the coach inspired me um, to work hard and uh, to believe in myself. So I, otherwise, I didn't think I had the t- talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so was that an easy thing for you to, to adopt in those early days, because, you know, you can see a man who doesn't have belief in himself, you know, um, it's like, you see it everywhere. I mean, in women, young kids, you know, old people, uh, like my mother, (laughs) you know, uh, you see people who, who fundamentally don't believe that they have the, that they're worthy of any success that they put their mind to. And so sometimes you find, uh, people who are, as much as you try and tell them, listen, you can be this type of person. You can become a, a world-dominating athlete. You can become a, a highly successful entrepreneur. That sometimes they just don't hear you. It's like the words go in one ear and out the other, and so they just they don't they never really you know light the fire. Do you understand? Like the spark doesn't truly catch onto the the kindling and the fire ultimately never burns what why was it different for you like where did your spark in your belief come from and and how did you then work with your inner game to then create start to create momentum in terms of being an athlete you know it took a long time it wasn't a i think the you, something you touch on we we don't believe, and a part of it is because we want a quick fix, a quick answer. We, mm-hmm. I need right now. I need to be a professional uh, runner in a year or two. No, it took a while. That message that I told you, I uh, that was in the seventh grade. Eighth grade, I just kept working hard and let things in the natural place out. I didn't um, – I had a goal. First of all, what was to finish – was to finish the uh, high school. And knowing that if you, if you finish high school, you expose yourself to a, um, a huge, a wide varieties of colleges looking like performances. I wanted to graduate first mm. because I knew without a graduation, I would not be able to compete for NCA. So it took a while and once I started getting better, like 11th grade, 12th grade, um, that's really started clicking. Maybe I will go. Maybe I'm getting there. And plus, uh, 
the main uh, the the person that I told you earlier on, Quizella, was always in contact. When he come back to Burundi, he would entertain with the kids, give us a hope, give us motivation. Um, and that kind of inspired me to get going and not to quit, not to give up. What's your advice to uh, someone who has a problem with quitting? What do you say to that, that person who potentially just, you know, has got all these dreams, but they never quite get there. What's your advice to them? You know, I think the, the critics, is, uh, they're great. Um, they, they're very, very... Uh, at the time, you might think when you get criticized, you might think, you know, um, this, this group of people, this person is trying to pull me down. But if you think about the critics, um, if, you, if you embrace in a positive way, that can be helpful because it if you uh, allow yourself to kind of evaluate yourself and um, and also analyze the situation you're in, you know, it can be constructive. It can be something helpful that can um, um, that can elevate elevate your profile. That can elevate your your potential to get better. We have to accept critics uh, because it makes us better. Uh, if you don't like critics, that's a red flag because uh, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. We have to rely to one another. We have to rely to experts. We have to rely to the people that we trust. They are people that have an interest in us. Mm. Yeah, that's such a great, such a great point, um, Gilbert. Who's been like? Obviously, you know, I always say, great success it takes 15 years to make a great success. And part of that journey is, you know, uh, actually very little to do with you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're obviously the face of the success, like Gilbert, you know, uh, the successful runner, et cetera, et cetera. And I really want to get into some of the work that you're doing uh, in, in terms of athletics in America, which is truly inspiring. Um, but, you know, if you cast your mind back, you think about all the times that you were helped you know, from, from the days of school, the first coach that you had to, you know, competing in competitions, to your physiotherapist, to your, your other trainers, your dietitians, whatever the case is, you know, in your case, I mean, obviously I don't, I don't know how many people are involved in the production of a professional athlete, but, uh, but certainly I can tell, I do know that it's more than one person. Um, and so your support system is so, so critical to achieve any kind of remarkable success uh, and even the success that you've had. And I'd like to understand from you, what have you learned about uh, support systems? Are they a requirement for success? Um, and uh, what kind of support system does one need really to create some kind of quantifiable success in their lives today? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And 
you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Man, that's a, that's a tough and complex uh, question, but I will try my best. Well, using my example, I came from Burundi, and um, this is, the support that I got was my coach, who really, um, I was maybe a third, third generation of the athletes that he has coached, because... Um, um, Always, the coach was always us, inspired us, uh, comparing the workouts, comparing the, the time that we run uh, to the rest of the world, so give you an update. This is where you stand. If you do this, you'll be able to do that. Coach was very instrumental in instilling um, like hard work, dedication, discipline, um, everything that you need to succeed. However, now you have the administration, which is the federation that you have to support you, find out, find, help you get, um, get to races. Because you can't, as a, as a young man, as a young student or an athlete, uh, if you don't have a support, if you don't have a sponsor, it's very hard to get to meets or traveling to, um, to where you want to be to compete. So really... It's uh, first takes the wheel. You have to willing to want it. You have to want it. Uh, whether you get the supports or no supports, mm. you have to be willing to sacrifice yourself, your talents, your time, um, and believe in yourself that you can make it. If you focus on what you can control as an athlete, if you focus mm. what you can control, which is the training, everything will fall in place. Everything will come. There's some people will, will – um, love you, love what you do, and, and they will support you. That's how you end up getting a sponsor. But everything has to come from hard work. Uh, you touched down on sports, uh, not a sports, like a doctor's uh, mm. massage, for example. You need yeah. that kind of support. It takes a lot. It's not just training. You have to recover. You have to have a good nutrition. You have to have a massage. You have to have all these... Uh, supporting group of people around you that have interest in you, that are, you have the same goal, which is to put you to a path to success. Yeah. Um, I want to actually uh, bring in a, a quote um, that, I, that I really love, and I think it's quite, quite relevant for where we are in the, in the, in the podcast, but it's uh, by Martha, Martin Luther King. And he said, faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. Um, and you know, uh, I think faith in any, uh, you know, pursuit, uh, worthy of your time and your effort, your points and your discipline and your perseverance and all those things, faith is such an important, uh, element in that journey, right? Uh, because it's almost like you have to act without any evidence of you getting any closer. Do you know, uh, there was a, a fascinating, I'm reading this great book called Atomic Habits. 
by James Clear. Um, and he describes uh, why people uh, basically stop doing things that are good for them. So as an example, exercising, right? So, uh, and it's because let's just say you want to lose, you know, 10 kilos. You have to work your ass off, right? In the beginning. Yeah to get some results. So it's so slow. It's so, so slow. And it's like, and you're like, why is nothing happening? Why is nothing happening? And then all of a sudden you see the change. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes, I do. Unless you're on steroids, obviously. <laughs> 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 then you see the yeah. change straight away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but, uh, but my point is, is that you have to have faith, right, before you get to the result. Um, what have you, uh, how have you approached the idea of faith in your own journey uh, to becoming such a, a global superstar on the athletic stage? You know, so again, the, the faith comes to the whole supporter team. If you don't have a faith in what are you doing, it's, it's better uh, to stop. You got to trust the process. When a coach will say, hey, guys, I want you to run a thousand a certain time, I, I didn't question. I want you to run 400 a certain time. I didn't question. I want you to do a tempo. I just, you have to trust the process. You have to trust the people that you're working with. And if you do, and the cool thing about my, what my coach did was he had some kind of measurable, measurable uh, stage. Once you see you're progressing, it is a huge boost of confidence. He knew how to inspire us. He knew how to uh, like motivate us because everything was measurable. You were able to measure what are you doing. And um, then the trust is like, oh, my gosh, this coach is amazing. I'm hitting the marks he wants. And you have to trust the, 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 prog the process and the people you work with. And that's the faith you're talking about. Otherwise... It's hard. It becomes like it's easy to quit and give up. Mm. Speaking of uh, quitting, um, I just to give context to this question, uh, I've in this podcast over the last sort of five, five over five years now, I've wanted to quit several times, um, and um, and I always have to find a reason to uh, pitch up again. You know, not I'm saying like every episode, oh my God, I have to do, I have to go interview Gilbert today. You know, <laughs> it's not like that. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's like it's hard work producing a podcast. And, you know, you sometimes you just, you, you, you sometimes lose the level of motivation that you need to continue. And so the thought pops into your consciousness, you know, well, maybe I should just throw in the towel. Like it's, you know, I've done 270 episodes. Why should I do another one? You know? It's like you and you're practicing, right? It's like, why should I run another lap? I've done 50 laps today. You know what I'm saying? So, so and, it, and it's a funny thing because the mind will always give you a reason to quit. And you have to find a reason to continue. And I wanted, my question is, um, have you ever wanted to quit? Uh, and maybe it was a, t a day on the, on the track or something like that, or maybe wherever you were running. And what did you say to yourself? to keep finding a reason to pitch up at 110%? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, have, I had ups, ups and downs. Um, part of this, you go out there, you get up in the morning, you're excited, you've done everything, you hit right, you hydrated, and you go to the track, coach wants you to do a certain uh, uh, pace, and you don't have it. And 
then you start question, am I really good? Am I really going to be competitive? And that doubt, yes, I had an ups and down. But what saved me was, again, the coach, who was very inspirational. He will come, he will find a way to lift you up. He find a way to, when your mind is starting wandering away, he would bring you to the, uh, the mission to kind of focus on what you're doing and focus on the moment. Uh, it's trust the process, leave the moment right now, you will get there, but you can't jump. It's like, uh, it's like if you ask me, um, do, you, do you know how to get to South Africa, right? And yes, I know how to get to Africa, but if you ask me how to get there, uh, you have to have a plan, you have to, all those, somebody to bring you, uh, like a live at the moment, enjoy what you're doing right now, enjoy these repeats you're doing right now, eventually you're going to get there, but you don't want to jump too soon. You get there. But also, the way our body is made, not every day is going to be the same. Some days you feel great. Some days you feel bad. It's the coach to kind of figure out, is it it this kid uh, tired, peaked, uh, overtrained? That's where the coach come in to kind of change, change the what they were doing instead of those of the workouts. So it's it becomes productive. Yes, I have had it up and down, but what saved me again is having someone out there to lift you up, mm. to give you hope, to push you forward. For example, like you, you get to a stage, you know, uh, you questioning what you're doing, but if someone comes out and said, "Hey, you." Look, you, you, um, what you're doing is making a huge impact. You have no idea. It's reaching people across. It's mm-hmm. inspiring young kids, young generation to work hard. That lifts you up. Uh, so, yeah. Exactly right. Um, I wanted to ask you, Gilbert. I mean, obviously, I've, on your Wikipedia page, I don't even have one. I've got the governor of Missouri coming onto the show, and uh, they basically grilled my producer <laughs> about about uh, the Matt Brown show. And one of the things they said was, "Well, why doesn't he have a Wikipedia page?" <laughs> why did I? Why me? Or no, the no, 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 me. The Matt Brown show. They were like. Cause, cause it, <laughs> It's the governor, so you have to like. They they were like, you you don't have any street cred unless you got a Wikipedia page. So, <laughs> so anyway, congratulations on your street cred. Well done. Uh, you're way more famous than me. Um, but uh, I'm reading your your page, and there's just like a laundry list of records, uh, personal records here. I mean, this 25k run in one hour 22 in Austin, Texas. I mean, like that's what I would do on a mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's like truly remarkable stuff. Um, and so I have to ask you, like looking back at everything you've done, what has been your greatest achievement to date? Man, I've done a lot of things, but I don't know if you know what I'm doing at this moment. Yeah, you mean so, the foundation and all that kind of stuff? In the, in, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So... In Austin, I coach people from all sort of backgrounds, you know, uh, young uh, kids, adults. But the most, the most that 
um, the most thing that I've done and I'm still doing right now is to give a clean water to the people where I grew up. I don't know if you, um, you I don't know if I, what's the best way to describe it. It's just so rewarding uh, to see the whole, com- com- the whole commune getting clean water. Mm. You know, when I first started to give people to the, to the villages, I started with my house. I started with the people that I know around my house, my neighbor. Now it's a whole county, more than 100,000 are getting clean water close to home. Think about how water is so important. Think about what water um, can do for the people. So kids... I used to walk around six miles to school. There was no water on the way. There was no water to school. I was super, super uh, dehydrated. Um, clinics didn't have water. I remember one time we carried my mother to the hospital. And when we got there, they're like, hey, son, we don't have water. You need to go fetch water so your mother can bed the next day. That was like, we carried my mother uh, six miles. And then we get there. We have to go two miles to get a water on back one mile and get the water back to the hospital. Um, if you see what people are doing with the water, it's just the most rewarding things. And I think that's probably, I've done so many things, but that's more rewarding to transform a life of uh, someone, to bring hopes, to transform a life of um, a family, and it's it's just very remarkable. Yeah, it's. I think you know it's something. I just you know I couldn't agree with you more. And you know I think it's as I said, it's the reason why you're on the show is because I want to I want to raise the profile of what you're doing and and hopefully in the process inspire others to kind of make a bigger difference. You know, in whichever way they choose to do. Um, and so you know we we quite privileged and I suppose many people around the world are so privileged in terms of access to basic services right so um, have you ever been to South Africa you must have been here before right yeah yeah yeah. I was there for the World Cup oh you were fantastic okay cool so like um, you know let's take about the World Cup right so if you if you watch all those football matches on TV right it paints a certain picture about an environment like a country like South Africa well look at those big stadiums every everything is you know everyone's on their best behavior and you, you put your best foot forward as a country, but behind all of that in uh, townships and things like that, you've got, um, you know, government services that are not being delivered, you know, as you said, like clean drinking water, uh, just on the outs, not even like too far from where, like I'm in the heart of Sanson, which is a very like affluent sort of area of, of Johannesburg, but like 10 Ks down the road, there's a, there's a, there's a settlement that doesn't have access to clean drinking water at all. And so it's not something that, you know, it's like you walk like, here's a nice glass of water, you know, like you just don't think that somebody else has that problem. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you're not exposed to that. Um, And so what would, what do you want to say to the world today about, uh, you know, the, the problem around clean drinking water um, and any sentiments around how or sh- how can we get involved with what you are doing 
uh, and that kind of thing. Paint the problem for us. How bad is it? And then maybe give us some broad brushstrokes about how we can get involved uh, should we feel like that is something we want to support. Uh, thank you very much. One is, uh, um, before I start, I'll give you an example. When I, again, when I was going to school, there was no water. Um, and up to today, there is still a group of people that they have to, they, they have to walk average four miles, six miles a day or 60 kilometers a day to go get fetch water. It's still happening today. And the water that they used to get was contaminated um, because they shared the water with animals, cows. Uh, right now, right now with what we're doing, um, the water, we put a water close to a, we reduce the distance from like four miles or 60 kilometers to like 400 meters one lap around the track. That's how much people, people have to travel. And um, people are so heavy, they're so productive. The kids are, you know, they wear clean clothes. Uh, they're not exhausted when they get to school because as you know, women and children are the one fetching water. So the children are becoming educated. They follow in the class. They don't have to miss school because they don't have to waste water, go fetching water. So it does not take much to provide a clean water to somebody. It does not take much. We've done the math. Right now with the Zero Foundation, uh, $25 give a clean water for someone in Burundi for life. For really? life. Yes. That's and so mean. what we do, it's not a well. We do, the, the, the country, it's, it's, um, it's in the mountain. It's always raining. There's a lot of water, but it's just not treated or get to the people. So we don't use a, a well. So we use a gravity fed. So we go in the top of the mountain, top of the water, collect the water in the chambers, and then use the pipes to distribute to villages and market, hospitals, schools, um, and trying to reduce the distance so people have to travel to get the water. Mm. And um, again, it takes $25 to change a life for someone. Just think about it. What can you do if I give you $25? What can you do that make a huge impact? That is my calling to, to you, to the listeners. It does not take a lot to help someone, uh, especially in this case, what we do and run for uh, the water to provide water to, to the needy, to the people. So $25 to provide clean water for life. That's right. That's right. We've done the math. We've, done, uh, we've been doing this since 2007. And um, um, if you look at the history, it's, it ends up being $25 per, uh, per person. All right. Um, I'm just doing some math here. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, here's what I'm going to do right now. Um, and I encourage somebody listening to us or watching us on this podcast or on YouTube, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you $1,000 to your charity. 
Um, oh my gosh. That's good. Yeah, absolutely no problem. Um, and that's going to give 40 people in Burundi clean drinking water for life. Best money I ever spent. Um, that's a uh, classroom. That's a class. a whole Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, Maverick will sort out the details around that, but yeah, happy to, to contribute to your cause. Um, I wanted to uh, also say, um, have you heard of something called the Hippo Roller before? No. You haven't heard about yeah, it? but you can tell me, huh? Okay, I'm going to share my screen with you because I, I want you to, to kind of see it and then uh, I'm going to explain uh, it to everybody. So here you go. So, so it's up on the screen there. Um, and so the Hippo Roller is uh, an African innovation that essentially allows Africans to transport water in a very simple way. So it's like a drum, basically. Oh, yes. You, you fill the drum, and it's, got a, it's like a lawnmower, but without the lawnmower. And then it's attached, the handle's attached to a drum. Um, and then you push the thing on the ground. You roll it. It's called the, the Hippo Roller. I met the, the founder of the company, jeez, uh, probably like five or six years ago. Um, but uh, but what, I, what I wanted to kind of get into about this one was that it's such a simple idea. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how do you, tra how do you transport water uh, in such a way that it's easy for people anywhere, regardless of, you know, um, regardless of their, their kind of background or, you know, their geographic location. Uh, and it just, it's just such an awesomely simple idea that, um, that uh, you know, I think truly does scale. You know what I'm saying? Because it has to be affordable. It can't be expensive. It cannot involve like huge infrastructure as an example. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the Hippo Roller is something that I think is really, really great. I mean, I love Africa for the simple reason that we've got very unique challenges, you know, and so the way that we have to approach them is very unique. Have you watched that series on Netflix, The, the Boy Who Harnessed the Wind? Yes. You, yeah, yes. Okay. So that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like that guy's world famous, kind of like you also, um, you know, where, uh, you know, he approached like drought, famine. And it's like, well, how the hell will we harness the wind to pump water to our crops, right? So uh, it's just such an interesting, uh, you know, sort of environment that we're in and the, and the solutions that we can come up with. And I wanted to ask you, um, what are some of the solutions around clean drinking water that, that you've seen um, over the, you know, obviously you've been researching and involved in the space for quite some time now. What have you seen? Innovations, any interesting solutions uh, in the space that are solving this problem? Yeah, there's uh, so many out there. There's uh, filters, uh, you know, I think it's in India, or um, you have this filter that you put in the dirty water and it fills the water and then it turns on to be something clean, I forgot the name, filters. Um, yeah, that's probably one of the, one of the innovation that I've seen, um, besides well, besides even the water that, let's say the water that we give to the people, because think about how we, we, we extracted the water from the ground and then, and then collecting a chamber, that chamber has to be treated. You have to treat it the chamber so it doesn't uh, get contaminated or people don't drink bad water. And so some of the innovation like that, a, a product that is not harmful for, to the people, um, filters that I've seen across the globe, 
um, yeah, that's about it. I haven't asked. And the, the, this hip aurora, that's a, and that's a something special that people that have to go far out to fetch water, they can just roll because mm. people carry the water on the top of their head or, mm. and that's dangerous for their health. <laughs> yeah, because so. water is not, he- uh, not exactly light. <laughs> no, no. It's actually heavy. So that was a 50 pounds, 50 pounds. Like, that's what I was carrying when I was a young boy. That, sure. that was like 40 to 50 pounds. That's crazy, man. That's insane. Yeah. Tell me, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the work that you're doing in Austin uh, specifically? I see you've got the Gazelle Foundation and then Gilbert's uh, Gazelle's training Gazelles. group. Yeah. Uh, walk us through what you're trying to do there and what are the, what's the ambition behind this? What is, what's the hope around these initiatives? So uh, the, the Gilbert's Gazelle's, is, it's a group that um, I would call, you know, um, a group of people from different backgrounds, they come to train. They're looking for someone who inspire them to help them with the training, to take their training to the next level. Um, I'm, I love running. One day mantra is run with joy because with joy, uh, you can do everything. Without a joy, it's easy to quit. It's easy to, to, to stop. So what I try to help people is, you know, help them, enjoy running and to be able to enjoy running not everything has to be like not every day you go out you have to measure you have to hit a certain pace so i help them establish uh, a kind of like a pacing chart you have to have easy you have to have hard you have to have um in in the competition pace then also also um i coach high school it's called St. Andrew's Episcopal High School. That, uh, that's where my kids go. And um, it's, very, it's very interesting coming from coaching adults to go coach kids. These kids, they probably have everything. They're not, um, they're not interested in running a college, right? They're interested in competing at that time. Uh, it's, it's always hard to motivate them to, um, to understand that beyond the competing for your school, you know, uh, what about life, life lesson? I try to help them enjoy whatever they do and to enjoy running. So that'll run with joy. I instill in the young and also in the adults. The Gazelle Foundation, this is the headquarter here. This is what we use to, find, to get the funding. I have this race called Run for the Water. It's a 10-miler and 5K, and the money raised goes straight to help uh, bring clean water to the people in Burundi. I'm also uh, on the Texas Holocaust and the Genocide a, uh, Commission. It's a 15, 15 people selected across the state that we get together every quarter and uh, talk about the issues, uh, which is more education and prevention so whatever happened doesn't happen again. Pretty much that's what my life evolves around here in Austin. How's it, guys? Just a quick one to say, did you know that due to COVID-19 that the small business sector in South Africa is currently at risk with close to 525,000 formal SMEs locally? employing 6.6 million people. These businesses are at greater risk today than ever before. 
You know, as a community, we need to do as much as we can to help SMEs succeed and survive during this time. And to this end, I've decided to give away free copies of my number one Amazon bestselling book, You're in the Game Today, which shares the 12 principles that high-impact entrepreneurs, billionaires, and world champion athletes use to overcome the impossible and achieve the extraordinary. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy or maybe share a copy with an entrepreneur that you feel could benefit from this incredible story, please head on over to mattbrownshow.com, hit the Your Inner Game link, put in your details, and we'll deliver a digital copy to you instantly. And for more information, guys, about the book and more developments around the Matt Brown Show, head on over to mattbrownshow.com. Amazing, amazing stuff. Um, So I want to talk to you about uh, role models. So in 2013, you were named Citizen of the Year by Capital City African American Chamber of Commerce. And then, of course, that's obviously just one of your many accolades. I wanted to ask you about role models. Um, Who is your role model? You know, it it had to change, it evolved every time. Um, When I was running, my role models were like runners. Like Gabriel Selassie, Haile Selassie, the Ethiopian, was my... uh, he was my, um, what I call my hero, because he, the way he approached running, he was a small but fast. He was always laughing at the beginning of the major competition, and he was. But if you think about my main role model that inspired me, it's my mother. My mm-hmm. mother uh, has done a lot sacrificing for me so I can get to the best school, the best education, and everything that I needed pushed me to, uh, supported me to become who I am today. And also, um, I, if you ask one, it would be my mother. But I, again, I, I said, I yeah. said, yeah. I hear you, I hear you. And what would you say is the greatest lesson your mother ever taught you? Never give up. So when I left the country, this is crazy. When I left the country, uh, he gave me this, uh, she gave me this um, uh, note. She's like, son, you are going to a country that you don't have a mom and dad. Always love God and people. That was powerful. Hmm. Uh, that's really cool. I love that. Um, <clears throat> how does one seek out a role model? How do you know which is the right kind of role model for you? I mean, I know that's very context dependent as a question, but what <laughs> advice do you have for, you know, uh, for people out there who are looking for, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking, or I did before C19 hit, but I did a lot of speaking at schools. So I try and be a role model to, you know, kids who are in high school looking to, you know, now move into the real world, but then don't have an actual clue about uh, what it's going to be like. Um, so I try and be and offer my, my time and my guidance to be a role model to kids, especially around entrepreneurship and things like that. Um, so, but many, especially in Africa, like there's just, you know, there's so many homes that are broken, fathers that are absent, mothers that are absent, you know, um, and so many, many of our children in Africa and all around the world have to raise themselves in absence of role models. Um, what's your advice around uh, role models and, and seeking them out? 
what should we be looking for depending on obviously what we're trying to do? Where does one start with that? You know, that's a, that's a really hard um, because a role model is someone that you, you, you can, uh, you, you relate to, you admire, that doing the great things for the community, doing the great thing for the society. Um, you just, it's very difficult. It depends on individual. But when we're looking for our role models, those are the people that we can associate with. We can, um, uh, people that are doing the great things to, whether to transform the villages um, or the society. Um, doesn't have to be, you know, like, a, for example, these kids that grow up with no, uh, no parents, you know, deep down there is, there is a coach there is uh, an uncle, there is um, relatives that really they can resonate to. Uh, but the role model should be the one that live by example, do the right thing. And um, uh, I think on the role model thing, I think, you know, if you're going to seek out a role model, you know, it's got to be a role model for what, you know, uh, what are you trying to achieve specifically um, and then, you know, as an example, if you want to build a business, a highly successful business, like model or get role models who have built successful businesses. If you want to be a professional athlete, then obviously get role models like Gilbert uh, as well. Here he is. He's back. What happened, dude? I was Yeah, just, there you are. I'm so sorry. I was tap dancing for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, somebody called and then come here. Come here. I just used my phone because of... Uh, because my computer didn't work, so I'm using my phone. No, no, it's understandable. Bro. No, it's fine. I was just actually saying, uh, I was anecdoting to our audience uh, about role models. And I was saying how, you know, if you're going to become a professional athlete, get a role model like <laughs> Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the role model is just doing the right thing. Um, someone you can resonate with, somebody you can really, that exemplify what the society is looking for, a true gentleman, someone who does the great thing, um, and someone you want to be, um, like you, there's a lot of kids that there's a lot of listeners want to be with like you, because what do you provide? What do you give a platform? You give me a, you give me a platform to express myself. So it's really, uh, doesn't have to be a mom or dad. Mm. Uh, sometimes can be a bad dad or mom. It's someone who's doing a great things, push you to the next, to go to, to be the best you can be. Mm. Tell me, do you regard yourself as a role model? Uh, not really. I just do. I just, um, it's very crazy. I don't think about myself. Uh, um, I, 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 we answer this question this way. Someone asked me the other day, why are you so successful to what you do? One thing that helps me is not to look back. I don't look back. Um, you know, people will judge I'm a role model. I don't see that. I, I keep doing the right things. Because once you start thinking I'm a role model, your head becomes so big. I just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, do the right thing. That's all. Mm. Yeah, it's a great point. It's quite easy to, especially when you've reached the level of acclaim, right? People want to be like, oh, you're a role model. And then, of course, now the label sticks with you. It's just, I hate labels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because like, do. you're a role model to like uh, as an example you're a role model to uh, you know your kids that are that you that you coach right i'm a role model to people who uh, like when i speak at schools 
you know, but I, you and I both don't view ourselves as role models. Do you understand? It's only from the outsider observing that then yes. says, no, 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 Gilbert Turbonia is a, is a role model, right? So now, now, of course, the label sticks with you. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes. What, what labels have stuck around with you during your career that you haven't wanted? Ooh, man. <laughs> you dig in the past. I, uh, yeah, people think I'm a role model. People call me a survivor. People call me a like man, lucky man, a uh, fortunate man. Part of, part of it is because I escaped the one, the worst massacre. And um, uh, brave man. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, and any of those, do you, do, you, do, you, do you think labels are something one should aspire to, to achieve or to get in life? Philanthropist, as an example. Yes, they, yes, they call me a philanthropist. But what I, again, I keep doing what I'm doing. It, does not, um, it doesn't come across like, oh, yeah, I'm a philanthropist. Yeah, I'm a big shot. Not, none of those. <laughs> I just think about if I can, uh, if I can help someone, um, that's a huge for me. That's a gift. If I can give my time and my talent, that's enough. That's all. Awesome, man. Gilbert, let's wrap this up. Why do you do what you do? What gets you out of bed in the morning? You know, results. I'm driven by results. Uh, if I see things works, yes. If things work, I'm going to keep doing it. So what gets me in the morning is I'm very passionate about, I love people. I love helping out. And uh, I get up at 4.45 every day to go coach people. Um, and it helps. They always think that I inspire them, but they inspired me because when you, they're waiting for you, you have something to offer. It's just mm -hmm. a good feeling. And so I'm very driven by results. The water we're doing, the project, the, the Gazelle Foundation, the people that we serve in providing clean water. It's inspiring to see number keep going higher. We are more than uh, 110,000 getting a clean water. Mm. That's, that's huge. That is inspiring. That will make you get up in the morning and work hard because I'm working for the people. Mm, yeah, that's amazing, man. Such a great sentiment. So, guys, um, obviously, you know, I put a thousand dollars on the table for uh, Gilbert's uh, Gazelle's charity. So, let's go out there. Let's spread the word. Let's go and give more, uh, you know, people in Burundi and just in general more access to clean water. Right, the stuff that we take for granted every single day. So, I I challenge you to match me. Uh, go away, Siri. Uh, yeah, not you, Siri. <laughs> Siri's going to match you <laughs> or match me rather. Uh, but certainly uh, any contribution at all, even if it's $25, please, please, please. Uh, Gilbert, where can we get involved with that? If the guys want to contribute, should they, should they go to our website? Should they email me? What should they do? Either way it works, but uh, the website is gazellefoundation.org.com. Either way you get to... And you'll be able to see what we're doing. We have updates on the project that we're doing. Gazellefoundation.org. That's where, uh, and we'll be able to see it. And thank you so much for contributing. A classroom it will be given a clean water.
Anytime. Let's celebrate that. Yeah, yeah. Let's celebrate that, dude. Round of applause. Cool, man. Uh, so thank you for your time, bro. It's been really amazing uh, getting you on the show. And uh, I'm hoping to actually move to Austin, Texas at some point in the next year. So if I'm there, I'll definitely, uh, you know, grab you for a virtual coffee. Hopefully things will have calmed down by then. Uh, but certainly, I'd, you know, I'd like to take you out and get to know you a bit better and maybe see what you're doing on the ground there. Yes, please. Please let me know when you land here, even if you are like on a transit. Yes, yes. No, I absolutely will. Oh, absolutely will. I hear Austin's a great place. So. It's a beautiful place. And uh, yeah, we have a good community here. Fantastic. Thanks, Gilbert. Thanks for your time. And thanks, guys, for supporting the show and Gilbert's foundation. We'll see you again soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Matt Brown Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, you're in a game for free right now today. You can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients haiku went from a two percent share of voice globally to an 11 percent share of voice globally in only seven days if you'd like more information head on over to showworksmedia.com for more that is showworks with an x.com